This message is brought to you by Living Faith Church. You can find us on the web at livingbyfaith.com. I'd like to read Philippians 3, verses 12 to 14. I'm reading it out of the Passion. It says this, I admit that I haven't yet acquired the absolute fullness that I'm pursuing, but I run with passion into his abundance so that I may reach the purpose for which Christ Jesus has laid hold of me to make me his own. I don't depend on my own strength to accomplish this. However, I do have one compelling focus. I forget all of the past as I fasten my heart to the future instead. I run straight for the divine invitation of reaching the heavenly goal and gaining the victory prize through the anointing of Jesus Christ. Paul finds himself at such an interesting place because he's in the midst of change. He's in the midst of transition. He recognizes that there are things that are happening in his life. And I'm not the person that I used to be. I used to be the soul. I used to be the person who knew the law. I used to be the person who used to follow all of the rituals and everything that was required of me. There was a a place in my life where I used to be all of that stuff. But something fundamentally has shifted and changed. And I find myself at a place now where I recognize that it's not about religion, but it's about a way of life. And this way of life is something which is so much bigger than who I am. It's so much bigger than anything that I've possibly imagined. And it's bringing about change and it's bringing about transformation. And not only me, but the way that I see my world and the way that I recognize my purpose in the world in which I find myself. Something is happening and something is changing in me. And the thing about it is, I may not be the person that I used to be, but I also recognize the fact that I'm also not the person that ultimately God has called me to be. And so I recognize the fact that I'm a person in transition. I find myself migrating from who I used to be into what he has called me to do, what he has called me to be. There was a passion on the inside of me that keeps me motivated and excited about it. He makes some interesting points. And one of the things that he says is, it's important for him to be able to leave behind those things which constituted his past. He came out of a religious background. He had a lot of input into his life. He was a scholar. He was a learned man. He was a person who had spent much of his life engrossed in scriptural things. And so he knew the word of God. The thing about it is he was a person of form. He wasn't a person of life. And what he was saying was a lot of the inputs, those things that constituted my thinking and who I was, those religious thoughts that had given me an idea and it created a space in my life that that held certain beliefs for me. I came out of a denomination and that denomination set in place certain rigid parameters for me that said, this is the way things are and this is the way that things needn't be. All of those things began to give form and identification to who I used to be. But I'm leaving all of that stuff behind. I'm leaving behind me the way that I used to think. I'm leaving behind me all of those restrictive um, considerations that are leaving me at a place that I'm not able to move into who God has called me to be. What I'm encouraging you to do right now is this. All of us have had some input in our past. And some of those inputs are good because they've moved our life forward. But not everything has been good and not everything has been healthy. And there is nothing in our life that is as consequential and as important as the revelation that the Holy Spirit gives you. And where you are in your walk right now, recognize the thing that's most important is anything that brings into my life a sense of restriction or inhibits me moving into the future that the Holy Spirit has for me is something that I'm happy to leave into my leave in my past.
What is priority for me is putting my focus on what God's calling is for me and allowing the Holy Spirit to introduce newness to me, to move me to a place where I live from a, a space of discovery, where I'm recognizing who he's called me to be. But I'm allowing him to do something on the inside of me so that I step into the fullness of everything that he's made available to me. It's the place that, that Paul finds himself and it's probably a place that many of us find ourselves in right now. What's so exciting about that is that he gives us influence in a space, not just in terms of who we are and what we're becoming, but recognizing that who I am as a person is designed to have a purpose in life. It's designed to have an influence in the world in which I find myself. You don't have to spend terribly much time in the world to recognize that it's against you. The world makes things difficult. The world brings with it lots of challenges. It brings with it sicknesses. It brings with it diseases. It brings with it financial challenges. It brings with it stress. It brings with it pressures. It brings with it anxieties. All you have to do is spend a fair amount of time in the world and you recognize that things don't always come easy. Ever since the fall, Satan has had influence in the world system. And the world system is designed to interrogate the life that's on the inside of you. The world system is designed to come up against the life that that God has put on the inside of you. What's so exciting is that God says, in all of these things, you are more than conquerors. Do you know why you are more than a conqueror? Because of what Jesus has done for us. He introduces us to a truth that is so fundamental, and it's something that I really want to touch on today. He says, greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. Greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. The greatness in everything that Jesus has accomplished, because he is the victor, because he is the one who conquered sin and death, because his life lives on the inside of us. I want you to know something, that the greatness that exists on the inside of you is something that he's looking for you to discover. And every time there is a demand that is placed on you. What he's looking for you to do is come to that space where greatness exists. And he's wanting for you to explore greatness so that you can discover an aspect of who you are and how you're able to deal with the circumstances and the situations of life. The greatness that exists on the inside of, of you is all about him. But in you discovering that greatness, what he's looking to do is to impart that to you so that you can grow, so that you can be great, become great, so that you can become more expansive. Not because of who you are or what you've done, because of everything that Christ has done on the inside of you. He's looking to change you. He's looking to affect you. He's looking not only to build up your knowledge and your understanding, your appreciation and your insight into who he's called you to be and how he's called you to live. But he's calling us in a meaningful way into expansiveness, growth, growth and real growth. Uh, real learning is about growth. It's not just about knowledge and understanding. It's about something that fundamentally changes and moves us to a place that I'm not the person that I used to be. I'm somebody new. I'm somebody different. Sarah and I love our home. Our home is important for us because the things that are so valuable for us, we find around home. Family is important to us. Our children are important to us and they're things that constitute home. We like making a house a home, a warm place, a place that we can come to. It becomes the place that becomes our sanctuary away from the world and everything that's happening out there. We love our home because we get in there and we can garden. 
I love gardening. I love getting my, my fingers and my, my hands into the dirt and messing around with that stuff and turning it over. I love pulling out the weeds. I like planting for the next season. I like putting bulbs in. I like sitting back and seeing the fruit of my labors and enjoying green grass and beautiful flowers and lovely trees. That to me is just fulfilling and it just, it nurtures my soul. It makes me happy. And so it was really important for us when we um, got to build our house. We were fortunate enough that we got to sit with a an architect. And when we sat with that architect, we spoke to him about what it was that we were trying to create. We spoke to him about the lifestyle we were looking for. We spoke to him about our dreams and our aspirations and what that would look like if it was interpreted into a home. What did that look, what did that space be like and how would it be defined? And he took all of those dreams, he took those aspirations, he took the lifestyle um, that we were looking for and he put it down into a set of plans, architectural drawings. And when we looked at that, we got excited about it because the plans were a representation of the life that we were trying to create. But plans in and of themselves were not enough. We had to get together with a builder and the builder had to take those plans and he had to sit and find a way that he was able to take the the heart and the soul, the dreams that were encapsulated in those drawings and how he was able to make them a reality and give them substance and form. And that was really the job of what he did. And it meant that there needed to be customization and there needed to be changes and there needed to be adaptations because it needed to be able to fit on the lay of the land. And we had to, we had to shift certain things slightly and we had to change the, the foundation somewhat. And we had to change some doors because they didn't work the way that they should have. And we had to elevate certain ceilings and we discovered that um, when it came to the staircase, we needed to make it a little bit wider to make it more accessible. We made changes and adaptations. The intention was to take the plan, to take the dream, to take the aspiration and to give it an expression in a physical form. And the builder was responsible for doing that. The plan gave him the guidance, but his job was to take it and to customize it so that it could fit onto the land and that he could give it representation so that we could live our dream. That's very much the intention that the Holy Spirit has with us. Jesus accomplished everything so that we could walk into a design of who we're supposed to be and a lifestyle that he's designed for us. When we get into the word of God, really what it is, it's giving us the architectural drawings, everything that he's designed for who we're supposed to be. The thing about it is he is the architect, but he's the builder. Everything that he has started on the inside of you, he's saying, I will be the one who will assume the responsibility for fulfilling it. And so when we get into the word of God, what gets us excited and what gets us motivated is we begin to see God's heart. We get to see his dream, his aspiration, his ambition for who we should be and what it should look like. But we be, we also have to understand that in order for us to live that out, we need to get to a place where we have an intimate relationship with the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit is the one who's not only going to reveal the plan to us, but he is the master builder. He is the one who's going to work in collaboration with us and take that plan and make it something which becomes an extension of God's plan and purpose, but it's customized to your life. You're not like anybody else. God never designed you to be like anybody else. God designed you to be you. It doesn't mean that truth changes, but the Holy Spirit is going to take that truth. And in the context of your life, he's going to build that into your life so that that truth is expressed through your personality and through you, who you are as a unique individual. What becomes so important for us is understanding that spiritual truths do not change. 
Spiritual truths remain the way, the same that they always are. But the Holy Spirit works with us so that he's able to take that truth and so that he's able to inform that and make it something which defines how we grow and how we become that word. He not only wants us to get to a place where we have a revelation and we have an understanding of it. He not only wants us to discover what the word is all about so that we get excited about the plan, but his responsibility is to take that plan and to change us. And true learning is all about growth. True learning is all about expansion. True learning is about that word redefining who I am. And so that I can sit and say, I have become a different person. I've changed because the plan of God has become a reality in my life. When Jesus walked around on the earth, one of the things that he was a key driver in his life was he wanted to express God's life in its varied forms. One form of life is healing. Every time he came across people who were challenged with sickness or disease, illnesses, what he would do is he would take the life of God and he would impart it to them. But he never followed a formula. He never said, okay, fine. From now on, the only way that people get healed is I lay hands on everybody. And if I don't lay hands on them, nobody gets healed. He didn't follow a formula. He followed the prompting and the leading of the Holy Spirit. And healing manifests itself in many different ways. There was a woman who had an issue of blood and she said, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I'll be made whole. There was another man who came to Jesus who was blind and Jesus spat on the ground and took the mud and put it on his eyes and he regained his sight. There was a Roman centurion who came to Jesus and he said, I have a servant who needs to be made whole. But I'll tell you what, I don't even need you to be in proximity to him. All I need you to do is just to speak the word and he'll be healed. What I'm saying to you is... The Holy Spirit is here to take spiritual truths. He's here to take God's plan and God's architectural drawing and to make it a reality in your life situation. We don't have the prerogative of following a formula. Everything that works in our life and and the way that the word is brought to fruition in our life is as a result of what the Holy Spirit is doing on the inside of us. It comes about as a result of relationship. Sometimes we look at how other people take the word of God and appropriate it in their lives. And in some ways we get some learnings from that and we think, well, perhaps what I can do is I'll just follow the same way that they do it. Essentially, we're defaulting into formula. Well, if I find the three scriptures and if I uh, confess them enough and I stand hard enough and I really believe that that's going to happen, it's going to bring about the fruition of that and I'll walk into the promises that God has had for me. I know that I've tried that and I don't know about you, but it never worked for me. And it doesn't work for me because I've come to realize the fact that God isn't introducing us to a religion. God isn't introducing us to a relationship. In some ways, religion is a lot easier than relationship because it gives us a whole bunch of points. It gives us the law which we are to follow. Here are the three things that you need to be. This is how you need to adjust and your, your speech and your behavior so that you become something else. The problem with it is that it's unrewarding and it's unfulfilling. It has no life and depth to it. God doesn't introduce us to a law. He introduces us to a relationship. And relationships are exciting because relationships have depth and they have nuances and they have layers and they have um, different dispositions. And there are always moments of discovery and there are always places where I can go and I discover something new about myself and something new about that person. And so there is a sense of reward that comes out of that. Relationships are a lot more complex, but they're a lot more rewarding than following a set of rules. The thing about it is God sitting saying, I'm looking for you to discover my plan and my purposes for your life in the context of relationship.
Relationship is important because the Holy Spirit knows you better than you know yourself. And so what he's going to do is he's wanting to touch and change the different aspects of we are of who we are so that we can be, begin to get congruency between the different parts of who we are and who he is. He's wanting to touch our emotions so that our emotions are informed and transformed as a result of the life on the inside of him. He knows what things are sitting inside of our heart. He knows what things we are we are believing. And some of those things may be at odds with what he's wanting to do in our lives. It's fighting against against his plans and purposes. He's there to work that out in your life. There are times where we, we may sit and we, we have certain thoughts that are working against God, certain beliefs that are against God. We may be holding on to certain dreams and ambitions. It's all about what we want for our life as opposed to what God wants. What I'm trying to suggest to you is this. We're a complex set of different things because we're a human being. And God looks at us in our entirety. He wants to see what our thinking is about. He wants to see where our emotions, he wants to see what's grounded and rooted in our heart. He wants to see the degree to which faith is established on the inside of us. The good thing that I can tell you about it is this. Number one, the Holy Spirit is here to reveal that to you. And what he's doing is as your partner, he's here as the builder. As your partner, he's the one who's going to take the different nuances of who you are and he's going to introduce them to you and he's going to reveal them to you. And he's going to extend an invitation to you to sit and say, would you like to change that? Would you like that to become transformed and to be made new? Would you like that to become a reflection of his plan and purpose? And we have that right and the opportunity in that space to make a decision about whether we want to be obedient and work with him or not. But it comes down to us. The other thing is he never leaves us nor forsakes us. And in us working through those challenges with God, some of those things are not always easy. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. He's always there and he's always going to be working with you. He's the author. He's the finisher. He's the one who's there to complete you. He's the one who's there to introduce you. He's going to bring revelation and newness and freshness and discovery into your life. But he's also the one that's going to sit and say, I'm here as the master builder. I'm here to make that a reality in who you are. We've just celebrated Easter. And Easter is so important for us as Christians because what it speaks about is it speaks about Jesus the Christ. Jesus the Messiah. Jesus the anointed one. He came and he conquered sin and death and he created an opportunity for us once again to step into the fullness of all that God has created for us. He created an opportunity for us to once again realize God's architectural plan and for that to become a reality in our lives. And although much of what he did was spiritual in nature, he puts the cherry on the top by coming and taking his body and actually using resurrection life to bring life back into that body. At its core, life is made up of cells. Living matter is made up of cells. Those cells were dead for three days. Resurrection power touched that body. Resurrection power touched that life. And those cells, the very matter that constituted his body, took on life and began to change. And when Jesus stepped out of that tomb, he stepped out of that tomb in a risen body, a, a body where matter had been given newness of life. What I love about that is it says to me that in God's economy, matter matters. In God's economy, things that constitute creation are of consequence and of significance to him. 
What it says is your physical body, the very, something which is matter that constitutes who you are in this physical earth, it matters in God's economy. Your family is of consequence to God. Your finances are of consequence to God. Your journey through life is of consequence to God. It's important for us because there's a disposition sometimes where we think that when I get born again, it's all spiritual in nature. And all that God is really concerned about and interested in is the fact that spiritually I become born again. What I need you to know is this. In God's economy, matter matters. What God's saying is my my invitation is to walk with you in a much broader capacity than simply one that is spiritual in nature. I'm wanting to touch and influence your lifestyle. I'm wanting to touch and influence your body, your finances. I'm wanting to holistically influence every aspect of your life. Matter matters in God's economy. It becomes important because when we have a look at Romans chapter 8, Verses 18 and 19, I'm going to read it out of the Passion again. It says, I'm convinced that any suffering we endure is less than nothing compared to the magnitude of glory, radiant beauty, and perfection that is about to be unveiled within us. The entire universe is standing on tiptoe in intense anticipation, yearning to see the unveiling of God's glorious sons and daughter. Daughters, the entire universe is standing on tiptoe in intense anticipation, yearning to see the unveiling of God's glorious sons and daughters. You stepping into your role and your unveiling as a son and a daughter of God is consequential. What it's telling us is that matter, all of creation, is having a look at you because when we begin to realize who we are in Christ, it's going to introduce us to purpose. And a big part of purpose is recognizing bringing heaven to earth. A big part of our purpose is recognizing who we are as kingdom citizens and understanding that the responsibility that we have is much broader than just we in terms of who we are. There is a responsibility that influences the matter, the universe, the earth and all of creation. God is calling us to become people of purpose that have influence in that space. When it talks about the unveiling of God's sons and daughters, the word unveiling there actually is the word revelation. It's the same word that is used for the last book of the Bible when it talks, it talks about the revealing of Jesus the Christ. What it's talking about is the revealing of God's sons and God's daughters. It's talking about us walking into a realization and us becoming the sons and daughters of who God is. Sons and daughters are genetically related to their parents. If I was to take a paternity test, what you would discover is that you would find in my blood the genetic matter that uh, is the partly the building blocks, Sarah is the other part to them, to Colton and to Carter and to Vivian. The genetic material is in the blood. As a result of that, who they are and what they look like and a big part of the way that they're going to grow and a big part of the way that they're going to develop and who, who they're going to be as people is defined as a result of the genetic material that's in the blood. When biologists have a look at the growth and the development of people, they break it into two categories. They speak about the nurture part and they speak about the nature part. When they're talking about nature, what they're talking about is they're talking about the genetic material that begins to constitute the building blocks of who that person is. Vivian has a cute nose because she has the genetic material of her mother. 
And as a result of that, she has her mother's nose. The genetic material is there and it's going to inform probably how high she's going to get. It's going to inform the way that her body's going to take about shape. There is a whole bunch of what is given form and is what is, what is given definition as a result of the genetic material that is in the blood. What I need you to know is this. Jesus died and the reason that he died and the reason that he shed his blood is because he's looking for you to become a son and a daughter of his. As a result of him shedding his blood, he paid the price so that his life could be, could come and become a part of who you were. As a result of him shedding the blood, the jet, the very spiritual genetic material that constitutes who God is, has come and resides on the inside of who you are. You are a brand new creation in Christ. Spiritually, the genetic material that is in your blood is the very genetic material that is of God and is, it is designed to give definition to who you are. Because you have the life of God on the inside of you, because you have the same genetic material, spiritually speaking, as God, that is designed to give definition to who you are as a son and a daughter of, of God. You can't help who you're becoming because your genetic material has changed. Your spiritual genetic matter is designed to have influence in who you are and is designed to transform you and change you so that you become a reflection of who your dad is, so that you begin to look like your dad, part of who you are is going to become a reflection of who he is simply because you have his spiritual genetic material that's that's on the inside of who you are but it's not just about your spiritual genetic material the other side to it is it's nurturing you see we raise our kids because we want them to be successful in life and we want them to come to a place where they make meaningful contributions into the world and into the society in which you find themselves it's rewarding for us as parents when we go to places and our, and our teachers sit and say we love having your child in our class because they show interest in everybody else they involve the other children in things and they're not children who criticize others but they somehow find the goodness in somebody else and they always speak words of encouragement that says a whole lot for who we are as parents. Why? Because we're raising them up. We're imparting to them what it means to make meaningful input in place. We're building them up with social graces so that they understand when they move into a space, you move into a space and you're respectful. You exercise please. We exercise thank yous because it makes a statement about who you are. We put you in a place where, you, where you're grounded and rooted in an understanding of who you are and the fact that the greater one lives on the inside of you because you're going to go out into the world and we want you to be at a place where you're established, where you're nurtured, where you're grown up, where you have an understanding of who you are because it sets you up for success in the world that's on the inside, uh, that's on the outside there. The same thing as the Holy Spirit one is wanting to do in our life. The Holy Spirit is wanting to take aspects of who Christ is. He's wanting to take aspects of who the master architectural, of what the master architectural plan is all about. And he's wanting to introduce that to us. He's in the process of nurturing who you are. He's in the process of transforming us so that we no longer conform to the world around about us, but that he's making us new so that we look like daddy, so that he takes the aspects of what are important to dad and he's using those things and so as he introduces them to us it presents presents to us a vision of what it is that we should be not only a vision but it's also he's beginning to make those changes in us so that we become a reflection of those things he's building it into us he's establishing us for the world in which we find ourselves god gives us two things god gives us plan and he gives us goals 
The reason that he gives us the word of God is because it gives us God's plans. It gives us God's architectural design for the way that we should be. It sets before us his goals and what it is that he's wanting to achieve. It's very much like sport. If you play a game, the reason that we have rules is because rules set the parameters. Rules also give us an understanding as to what the goals are in that game. The thing is, I may know the rules and I may know the goals of basketball, but nobody would ever want me to be on their team. I wouldn't be a good basketball player. There are plenty of referees who are who know the rules and who understand what the goals are, but they certainly wouldn't make good players. What makes a good player is somebody who not only knows the rules and the goals, but he's somebody who understands the possibilities that exist within that. And those possibilities have begun to touch and form and shape him. It's demanded something of him and he's had to grow a skill set and he's had to develop into that space so that he's able to realize the fullness of what those possibilities are. Michael Jordan is a good example of something like that. He's recognized the possibilities in the in the context of what it is to be a good basketball player. It's not the rules and it's not the goals that made him. It's the possibilities that have shaped him. It's the same thing with the word of God. God gives us the word of God and the word of God is so valuable to us because the word of God gives us the rules. It gives us the goals that God has set. It speaks to us when we read the word of God about who God is and what he's all about. It speaks to us about who we are and where we came from. It speaks to us about sin and it speaks to us about Satan. It tells us about why there's hardship in the world and why the challenges and why there's sorrow in the world. And most importantly, it speaks to us about Jesus the Christ. Jesus is the Messiah, Jesus, the anointed one. And it speaks to us about our salvation and how our salvation is available to us and what that salvation means and how it's designed to touch and transform and change us and make us something new and introduce us to a life so that we are people who not only have a destiny being conformed to the image of Christ, but we live from a place of purpose and we recognize it as we become something new, as we step into something new. So we're equipped to fulfill purpose in our life and have influence in that space. By the stripes of Jesus, we were healed. It's important that we have a knowledge of that, that we learn what that's all about. It's important that the Holy Spirit comes and he gives us insight and he reveals to us what that's all about. But that's only really part of learning. The true part of learning comes about when there is a demand placed against us, when something comes against our health and our wellness, and we have to make a demand upon that. When we have to touch on the greater part on the inside of us that says your healing is as a result of what Jesus has accomplished for us. And we begin to recognize what that is. And that begins to touch and change and transform us. And it creates a different person. It creates a person whose life has been touched and informed by resurrection power, by the anointing. And I become somebody else. I change and I become something other than who I used to become. I become the person who is healed. When I walk into my healing and I realize what my healing is, when I walk into that space, It's because I become something different. And in that place, I begin to recognize the fact and I and I come face to face with the heart of what true learning is all about. True learning starts off with having an understanding, having a revelation, having discovered 
what God's plan is and what God's purpose is, is for my life. But true learning is really about becoming something else. It's allowing that to be redefined in my life so that it enlarges who I am. It makes me a person who's capable of confronting the circumstances and the challenge that comes against me and positions me at a place where I become and I step into what it means to be an overcomer in that space. That's where the word, the word of God begins to redefine who I am and I become something else. I become the word of God. My encouragement to you today is this. God has a wonderful plan for you. And I want you to know that the architectural life, that the architectural drawing for your life has, has been established. The plan is a wonderful one. It's an exciting one. But the way that we walk that out is not by following a set of rules and regulations. The way that we walk that out is not legalistically. The way we walk it out is in intimate relationship with the Holy Spirit. He knows us and he knows God's plan and his responsibility is the builder. He works with us and he introduces us to what God wants us to, us to do. He's going to demand some stuff of us because he's looking for us to partner with him. He's looking for us to exercise our will to sit and say, thy will be done. And I'm willing to do whatever is necessary to make adaptations and changes to accommodate your influence in my life and in the situation. But as we begin to do it, and as we begin to work with him in that space, what we begin to realize is change begins to happen on the inside of me. Change seems to happen in my world and in my environment. And it's not because of anything that I've done. It's because resurrection power is moving into that space and it's beginning to take the plan and it's beginning to give that plan form and it's beginning to give that plan expression in my life and who I am. Ultimately, I may not be the person that I used to be. I may be changed and I may be sitting in this space, but I've got some good news for you. You're also not ultimately the person that God has planned for you to be. You're stepping into newness. The fullness of who he's designed for you to be lies in your future. And the way that we step into that is through partnership and intimacy with the Holy Spirit. Father, I want to thank you for every person that's here today. I want to thank you, Holy Spirit, for what you're doing in their life. I thank you for the introduction that you're calling us to a place of relationship with us. I want to thank you, Father, that you don't give us a set of rules to follow, but you invite us to know the nuances and the fullness of who you are. I thank you that you touch us and you change us. You transform our thinking. You affect the way that we consider things. You're affecting our will. You're informing the way that we feel about life. You're empowering and enlarging our disposition. And that's we stepping into the fullness of what it means to participate in the greater one living on the inside of us. We're allowing that to give redefinition and expansion to who I am. I thank you for equipping us to realize a life of overcoming and a life of victory. I bless you for every person here today. I thank you for what it is that you're doing in their life. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you'll open the eyes of their understanding and that you'll begin to hone their spiritual senses so that they can hear your voice and that they hear your influence in their circumstances and situations. And I thank you that they'll be quick to partner with you.